Welcome to the Purdue Basketball Podcast. I'm Elliot Bloom, joined by the voice of the Boilermakers, Larry Clisby, episode 32 here on the Boilerball Podcast. And today we welcome in Kathy Wright Eager, who works here in our athletic department, has for a very long time, has had a couple roles. We will get into all that. Um, she now, and I can't believe I was reading your bio since 2008. Yes. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. She uh, basically directs our Wooden Leadership Institute, and I want to get her to talk about that. Um, and the, one of the reasons Kathy was on our lengthy list that uh, the great Sylvia Booker has compiled of guests that we are going to have on, and I moved her to the front because I got uh, a listener request from Sherry West out there on Twitter who was uh, very intrigued by the um, awards that came out at the semester and uh, was wanting to know more information on the Wooden Leadership Series. So I thought, what a perfect time to move and, up. And what that means and what that proves is that listener involvement will definitely push you up the ladder. Absolutely. And we are uh, we are the biggest sellouts. We, we make no bones about that. Exactly. So if you just raise your hand and say, could you have a podcast featuring so-and-so, we'll do it or try. Absolutely. The squeaky wheel, squeaky wheel always gets the grease around with uh, Larry and I. So, Kathy, first of all, welcome. Thanks for taking some time uh, in your busy schedule to join us here on the podcast. Thanks, Elliot. So I want to get into, let's get in right, right away to the uh, Wooden Leadership um, Institute and the Wooden, the speaker series and everything. Um, there's a lot of pieces to that, but, but give us kind of an overview of uh, what that means for the student-athletes here at Purdue. For the student-athletes, it's just a, um, a program that offers so many leadership opportunities and um, a, just basically a voice at the table that... Um, they can learn about team culture and about um, being a good follower, um, communication. We do the DISC on um, almost all of our student athletes, which is an assessment um, that teaches you what your strengths and weaknesses are, um, how to be a good teammate, all of these things that just make our whole athletic department flow better. And they seem kind of ambiguous, but um, they, they really do make a huge impact on our student athletes. Well, one of the things that uh, I know, having worked at a couple of athletic departments, when you can get buy-in across different sports, uh, I think people would probably be, I don't know if they'd be shocked or, or amazed, but at most athletic departments around the country, there's not necessarily a common, um, I guess a common uh relationship between sports there's a, there's a very much a silo mentality around mm-hmm. a lot of departments around the country where and I, what I mean by that is basketball does their own thing football does their own thing track does their own thing and sometimes that's because uh, there's different you know they're in different buildings or different practice facilities things like that but one of the things that we have here at Purdue uh, we have a relatively small number of sports compared to other schools. Mm-hmm. And we have a pretty small campus in terms of the imprint now of, of athletics. Now we've got now our new baseball and softball facilities and tennis are out there ways, but the offices are generally all around here, which I think makes for and this this piece, the wooden um, series, brings everybody kind of together, especially our student athletes. So they feel like it really is kind of one big Purdue family. Absolutely, and that's one of our missions, is that um, every single one of our student athletes, they understand that when they come in, that they're expected to think and act like a scholar, a champion, and a citizen. And it's not just within their team, it's with 
all of us, you know, all 18 teams together. And um, we, all of our freshmen take a class, and one of the first things, I get to teach one hour of the class each semester. It's one of my favorite days of the semester. Um, but one of the things that the student athletes say, we ask them, you know, why did you pick Purdue? Tell us why. And um, one of the things that they say is exactly what you just said. They went on all these other visits and they only met their team. And they came to Purdue and they met football players and basketball players and golfers. And he, they go, it's real. They all hang out together. And and that's neat. You see that on Twitter. They, you know, they're always like, good luck, dude. You got this. And right, right. They're all cheering each other on. And so it truly is a real family. That took a few years to kind of build. But it is there now, and it you really feel it. And it's neat. Like, even we had, you know, a recruiting guy come in over the, the last couple of days, and he said that was one of the biggest things that makes Purdue unique. I know we felt it when we got back from our trip to the Atlantis. It was the day of the bucket game. And uh, when we beat Arizona down there, the first thing Coach Painter said was, hey, you know, we're going to travel back tomorrow. We're going to get back in Indianapolis about the time the game's kicking off. And he said uh, – you know, we gotta we gotta get that win tomorrow. We gotta get back to a bowl game. And he, he it was almost like he was addressing the football team instead of the yeah. men's basketball team. Right. And when we got on that bus, the first thing we did, you know, we told the driver get that Directv fired up. We gotta watch that game. And Absolutely. and everybody on that bus was glued to it. So there's a genuine, uh, you know, there was a genuine. I know from our players, they felt so good for the football players, especially those seniors yeah. that can finally you Absolutely. know get to experience a bowl game like that. So. I think there really is a lot of, um, <laughs> across the board, there's a lot of athletes pulling for each other here. Um, what, talk about the um, certain Monday nights, through, I know it typically falls on Monday mm-hmm. nights, but when you bring speakers in to speak to our student athletes, um, I've always been fascinated with those, and I, I'm always sending you ideas on people that can come in and in, speak. Yeah. But um, talk about the, the purpose behind those and then some of the, the speakers we've had in here. Okay, so when we designed um, what we wanted for the content of the Wooden Leadership Institute, one of the things that we wanted to do is to keep Coach Wooden's pyramid of success alive. And we wanted to make sure all of our student athletes understood all 15 elements in that pyramid of success. And so what we thought we would do is bring in a speaker to talk to our student athletes. It's all optional. but have them talk on one of those 15 pieces in there. And so when they come, they listen to the speaker talk, and then they also get a printout of what Coach Wooden thought about that. So their goal is to, it's almost like a, you know, a puzzle. They're trying to get all 15 of them while mm-hmm. they're at Purdue. Um, but we've had some, oh, we've had so many awesome speakers that have come in. And the whole goal of it is we want them to, to leave and think, wow, that was worth it. That was a great hour. Like we brought in Drew Brees. Of course, that one was unbelievable. We wanted him to stay for like, you know, <laughs> the full day and yeah, talk. Yeah. But he talked about competitive greatness and he talked about how when he was driving to Purdue, he, he was thinking to himself, okay, I'm coming from a high school that, you know, I'm really a little bit worried about the academics at Purdue. He said, I'm coming in with an injury 
and I'm undersized. You know, he goes, everyone lists me as six foot. I'm not six foot. <laughs> but he said he decided when he was driving that he was going to utilize every resource Purdue had. So he was like in the training room every day and he was in the Breeze Center. Well, it wasn't the Breeze Center then. We right. called it the IAF, you yeah, know. Yeah. But um, he wanted, you know, mentors and tutors and the sports psych and, you know, the trainers, the doctors. He just utilized everything. And he said, that's what made him great is the people around here and it was so good because the student athletes were in there i mean the minute after they heard him it was like we had a line out the door for tutors <laughs> you know the training room was packed yeah um, well. but they listened to him you know and that's that was our goal you know we've we've brought in we brought in um a marine that was unbelievable he was 26 years old. He played on a RIP squad, so, mm -hmm. you know, against the women yeah. basketball players and a Purdue grad, and he was sent to Afghanistan, and he came back with two prosthetic legs. He stepped on a, a mm -hmm. landmine. He came with shorts, khaki shorts on, and he was talking about enthusiasm. And he talked about, you know, I know you're sitting here thinking I have to go to that 6 a.m. lift tomorrow, but switch that like flip it and think I get to I get to go to there I get to study tonight I get to go to practice and I mean I had like this huge lump in my throat I was like don't cry don't cry and I turned <laughs> around like the football players the wrestler everyone was crying and it wasn't it wasn't we weren't pitying him I mean he moved us to tears I mean I got like 20 um text that night afterwards I'd give anything if practice was right now so we're trying to you know bring in people that can keep our student athletes motivated one of the biggest things especially with the youth sports right now sometimes by the time the kids get to Purdue they're tired yeah they had a lot of them ha don't even feel like they had a childhood I know that sounds kind of weird but they're excited to be at Purdue. They're excited to practice. But w one of the jobs I feel like the Wooden Institute needs to do is to keep motivating them, keep them right. pushing them to be their best, and yet learning about themselves and loving what they do. And those series really do help them figure that kind of stuff out. And I really like that. Two things I have to talk about real quickly is back to Drew. Uh, as both of you know, I've been around uh, hundreds and hundreds of athletes here in my in my time at Purdue, and uh, no one, no one uh, has uh, equaled him in terms of how he's handled uh, the media, how he's handled the public, how he's handled his own stardom. An incredible, incredible man, and uh, I, I can imagine him influencing anybody when he stands up in front of them and this is a guy that's going to be in the hall of fame and the other thing kathy that you brought up and it's really really true and i've seen it so much over the last 20 years we have such a tremendous culture athletics is great but we take young people at a very young age and i heck i've i've seen recently talked to some parents that have some five and six year olds that are playing in competitive sports mm -hmm. Might not keep the score, but their dads and moms are still watching to see who puts the ball in the basket or who hits the soccer net and, and things of that nature. But what has happened is, is when we get these traveling squads and when we're 15 years old and 16 years old and we're wearing, we're wearing those kids out, if the parents aren't worn out, they certainly will be. Right. And, and a lot of times I see that now, that by the time you get to college at 18 years of age, 19 perhaps, you know, 
this isn't as much fun. As, right. And now I'm on my own. Right. And I'm and I'm expected to do this and do that, and all of a sudden I have a little. Well, I have some freedom. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, that freedom mm-hmm. is is here, and now I can do some things that I wasn't able to do at home, and now I have coaches and people that are also assigned to me that are going to make sure that I do it, but it's a little easier to say, eh, I don't want to go to class today, or I don't want to do this or do that, but I've seen a lot of burnout. I, I, I can remember, even in this community in West Lafayette and Lafayette, a couple of athletes that, and especially you know, gender-wise, women athletes that, that could have played professionally in their sports, but were just absolutely worn out by yeah. the time they're 18 years old, yeah. either by their parents right. or by how they had to go away, go about doing things. And so you hate seeing that, but yeah. it, but it is definitely epidemic, in my opinion. And the thing about it is, is like in the in the class that our freshmen take, and then in emerging leaders, those are the first things that we start talking about. Um, you know, look in the mirror and say, you know, what what type of teammate am I? Am I being coachable? Am I like I was recruited because they thought I could do it in the classroom? That scholar, there mm-hmm. we go again, the scholar, the champion, and the citizen. You know, and now you're going to all these parties and you're complaining. And is that what they recruited you for? You know, stop and think about this. This is your, you know, this is your character that's showing right here. Um, and we, and I constantly talk about, you can say it, that it's hard. We're, we're all right for you to say it's hard. And sometimes you wish you could just go to the frat parties every weekend, you know, while you're here. That's okay, but also to realize that this is an opportunity of a lifetime here and to give it all you have. You basically, most of them, most of them have four more years to be a great athlete with all the resources right here. The Wooden Institute, and I think this is where it comes because I used to be a coach. This is where, like, when I talk to them, I'm thinking, you know, what I wish someone else would have said to you know my swimmers years ago. If right, I had someone right. else in their ear saying some of the same things that I was, you know they hear it differently. And um, but they get that, and they you know we we do. We sit down. We talk. We had a great emerging leaders meeting uh, last week about who's in your ear, who is in your ear, because um, we're trying to get you. You know it's it's we. It's not me we it's all team culture this is about the team you have a role your role can change but you have to rock your role and who's in your ear telling you that's not your role you know you need to be playing more you need to be and i mean it there it's awesome you should see these kids i mean they'll they'll immediately raise their hand my mom my mom is saying it to me all the time my club coach you know my dad you know my best friend why are you sitting on the bench why aren't you on the a relay and so if we just give them a, you know, just give them a room to talk about that. And when they hear that other people are all right, then they're like, OK. And then I'm like can step in and say, it's your job to teach that person that's in your ear. Hey, your job is to love me unconditionally. Let that them be the coaches. Let me rock my role right here. I've got to earn it. And, you know, there's there's uh, there's something to be said, too, for when you have that like misery loves company feeling like you just said like oh somebody else is going through this and there's such a um i think that fans and probably us to a certain degree from time to time forget about these are 18 to 22 year old young people 
this is their as you as you both have said oh, fans, their first time fans away from forget home. all the time right oh, so like you. you know somebody a college athlete will do something stupid socially or they'll say something maybe inappropriate uh, with a microphone or camera in front of them or on social media and we want to jump down their throat and i would just always remind them think about your life when you were 18 to 22 <laughs> years old what were you doing could you do what these young people do which is train all the time, go to class, be expected not just to go to class, but to maintain a good GPA. Mm-hmm. Not have it like our basketball players can't have a bad day on campus. Oh. They can't. If we're walking to class, and if if PJ Thompson, for instance, is walking to class, and we lost a game the night before, and he had a bad game, and he missed free throws to lose the game, and some kids comes up, some person, professor, kid, whatever, came up to him and said. Nice game, you bum. You know, you lost the game for us last night. Now we can't win the Big Ten. PJ can't say anything to that person. He can't have a bad day. And he may be going on two hours sleep, Mm -hmm. and he may be stressed out, and he's got to keep his composure and say the right things, or he gets branded as a jerk on social Mm -hmm. media. And it's that way 365 days a year for four or five years. I can't tell you how many times I had the football players just come in, sit in my office during the, you know, the losing seasons. I mean, it, it's hard for them to, you know, get out of bed and go to class when their own, you know, Purdue students and pr- even some of their teachers putting them down. Uh, you know, it, that's hard. And the, and like you said, they're 18 to 22-year-olds. Right. right. It is. It, you, you referenced the Emerging Leaders Group. I think one of the great things that you um, oversee and, and, and guide and help is the two student groups that meet. Um, once a month, and that's the Boilermaker Athletic Council, the BAC group. Um, and just so our fans know, we've got three men's basketball players on that. Each sport has anywhere from one to five people that represent their sport on that. They meet once a month. Um, they kind of short drew the short end of the stick because they meet at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but our group, like for instance, our group is Ryan Klein, Grady Eifert, and Isaac Haas. Um, Dakota and PJ were our representatives the last two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Emerging Leaders Group, which meets kind of the same day, but then in the evening. And that is kind of a, I guess, training ground for like right. the next wave of leaders. And for men's basketball, Carson and Nogel are our representatives in that group. And talk a little bit about those two groups. And just you kind of hinted on what, some of the things you guys talk about now, but the whole purpose behind getting those groups together. Well, one of the things that, again, when we were looking to see what do we want to do here, what, what is this wooden leadership, what do we want to accomplish, one of the things that some of our upperclassmen were saying is, well, we get to be junior and senior, and everyone's like, be a leader, be a leader. And they're like, well, I am being a leader. And the coach is saying, no, you're not being a leader. <laughs> so we're like, we need, you know, we almost need like a training ground. Where can you start practicing being the leaders? and kind of make some mistakes, learn about it, watch others. Um, and so Emerging Leaders, is all, that's my very favorite group. I love it because it, we'll just come in and we just talk. And I do very little of the talking. I ask questions and then they start talking. What's um, like one of the things, what is something that a leader on your team is doing right now that's really inspirational? Or... Um, you know, we just talk, and then so basketball says what they're doing, and football will say what they're doing. It's, it's really neat just to hear different ways that leaders interact with their teams. And some of them might even say some things that 
weren't so inspirational. Right. But, you know, I'm like, let's, you don't have to say names or anything, but let's learn from that. That didn't work. And why didn't it work? And, the, and they're starting to figure out if you don't create a relationship with someone, you can't call them out. Yeah, you, correct. You know, that's part of the thing. That's part of being a really good leader is creating a relationship that they know when you go to them and you're calling them out or call, we, we actually call it lifting them up, you yeah. know, um, it's because it's done out of love and it's done for the, you know, for our team. For, you know, if, if anyone is doing anything detrimental to the team, leaders and the whole team, the culture needs to, you know, hold them accountable. And so it's, it's really neat. Like, well, one, one of the things we talked about last week, too, is like who is there for them? Who is the person that they go to? And um, no gel was awesome. He said Aaron Wheeler is just his, he just constantly lifts him up and encourages him and, those kind of things are, you know, that's what you need. You need someone in your corner that's going to kind of help you because it's tough. I'll tell you, there was a moment when we beat Northwestern here um, on Sunday um, a couple weeks ago, on December 3rd, I think it was. And uh, it was a hard-fought game, and we got Northwestern's best shot. And at the end of the day, we're huddling in the locker room. And uh, and P.J. Thompson said, hey, before we – before we stack, we call it stacking it up, and that's our, you know, yeah. we break the huddle basically, and then go, everybody goes their separate ways. And he said, before we stack up, I got something to say. And he said, uh, we always talk about you never know when your moment's going to come, and you got to be ready, and everybody's got a role on this team. And he goes, I just want to tell Klein that you were great today. We, you hit big shots when we needed them, and you got us over the hump and got us going, and and you, you, you deserve a little extra shout-out. That's awesome. And it was like – yeah. Holy cow! And as coaches, like we're we're gushing. We're like, this is this is awesome. And we've been very spoiled over the last couple of years to have this group of guys um, that do this routinely. But I think that the things that you guys talk about in those in those groups and those meetings they help because kids are not necessarily. It's very rare that a kid shows up on a college campus confident to do all that. Mm-hmm. Very rare, mm-hmm. especially nowadays. And so you, you've got to do exactly what you guys are mm-hmm. doing and foster it and grow it and things like that. It's, it's not just an innate thing that these kids show up to campus with. And uh, I know we see it a lot on our team. And I, I wanted to ask you, because as you said, as you referenced, the coaches can say, well, you're not being a leader. How nice is it? I would assume that these guys get away from their coaches and get to you guys. And it's kind of like, okay, I can talk a little more freely here because mm-hmm. it's not my mm-hmm. coaches. That's got to be a big deal for them, too, to have an outlet like that. It's a safe space, you know, that they can go and say, I struggle. I can't talk to my coach. And then it's not me saying it. It's someone from another team going, you know what? I used to be like that. And then I just decided that I just have to be honest. And we don't always have to agree on everything. But you have to respect them. I mean, so they're basically what's happening is they're teaching each other. And then they're learning and they're realizing that they're never alone, that there's always someone. I mean, think about it. Most of the situations that come across, they're, they're the same on every team. Right. You know? Right. You know, playing time, um, communication issues, team culture issues, they're all pretty much the same. So if they can learn that. And one of the biggest things, too, is some of them, I mean, especially the if you come in as a freshman and you were the star at your high school, then suddenly you're thinking now what's my role now and your role is really to be a great follower to your leaders you know I mean you have to be coachable 
You ha don't walk in and think that you're going to, you know, suddenly run the whole team. Um, so w we have a great video we show, and it's, it's just about m to make a movement. And it's about like this guy gets up and starts dancing, and he's the leader. But honestly, no one follows him. It's the second one that gets up and dances, and then they do. And we were like, that's your role. You're that second guy. You're like lifting your leaders up. When they say, come on, we need more energy, you're like, yes, yes, sir, we do. We'll be there. So well, that, I think that's they really get that. When you tell them that, they get it. Well, you need that because what happens in athletics at this level is that everybody, as you mentioned, Kathy, everybody comes in thinking that uh, they're pretty good. And uh, what happens is that uh, somewhere along the line, you find out there's a whole lot of people that are better than you are. Right, right. So now it's quick to want to evade. It's, it, heck, it's a lot like normal relationships. Yes. Things don't go well. Let's head for the door yes. and look for the next, you know, next opportunity instead of just sticking it out. Because yes. every coach that I've ever known, no matter what his built-in bias is, or her built-in bias is, if you rise to the to the top, if you sit there and do your work, you're going to get recognized, you and will. you will play you or will. you will compete. I mean, it just happens. But like we said, we got people who's in your ear, and immediately you're thinking, well, I'm better than this. This was a bad choice. I should have done this, or I should have done it this way. No. Just sit there and try to figure out, Hey, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit here and just be focused. And you need people around you that'll keep you focused because it's so easy not to be. Right. It's the happy warrior mentality. We talk about we use that phrase. Coach Katie used to say it all mm -hmm. the time, and it's one of many phrases that is stuck around here. But we talk about uh, just be a happy warrior, and we've talked mm -hmm. we've told that to Aaron Wheeler and Sasha Stefanovic because it's year. horrible. It's horrible. They're have, yeah, exactly. They can't play. Yes. So. But we're expecting them to go really hard in practice every day. We're yeah. expecting them to do more in the weight room. We're expecting them to do more in individual time when they come in and work on their games. Mm -hmm. And what's their payoff? They have to wait till next year for a payoff. But look at look at Matt Harms. Look at how right. his payoff right. has been. You Absolutely. can soak all of that up and then be ready. Absolutely. And we tell them, like, the happy warrior mentality, like, you may not think, like, you, you aren't necessarily contributing on the court in a game. But you are bet bettering us in practice by pushing those That's guys awesome. in front of you. You're helping us with energy on the bench, on a plane ride, on a bus ride, sure. in a team meeting, in a video session. All mm -hmm. that stuff matters. And it goes. It all comes full circle to what you talked about at the beginning, Kathy, with kids are tired when they get here. And I, that's become, in my opinion, uh, that's become as big a deal as X's and O's, at least in our game, is how do you get kids up each and every game yeah and that is extremely hard to do it really is to do it for 35 40 games a year I do this thing where I when I have individual meetings with teams and one of the first things I do is just we do this questions and just go around in a circle no one talks you just answer the question answer the question and it almost there's one question you know and it's about their childhood and it's about like their enthusiasm and one of the things that they say if you could do something different you know I, a lot of them say that you know they might not be in athletics they would have like tried music or tried you know it and that's kind of sad right well, here's, and, my, here's my whole point 
when you yeah, and I have to in a personal situation for myself um, taking two children to soccer practice ages 10 and 12 and I refuse to watch soccer practice I, I refuse to watch it as a parent or as a step parent or whatever as, a, as, as an adult to watch kids practice it's not my responsibility to watch them practice I got the coach and why are we putting up chairs to watch our kids practice? It makes no sense. It makes well, no sense. Some su- of us have a long drive to practice. Well, there. apparently, you know what? Go read a book. You know what I mean? Go somewhere else and let. Because the one thing, yeah. the one thing that I really had as a child was I had the freedom to compete, and I didn't have my parents around all the time to sit there and tell me do this, do that, do this, do that. I had a coach to listen to. That was enough. He told me what to do. Or she told me what to do, but I don't have to listen to mom and dad. And I love the freedom of just going. And if I love to play, and if I love to compete, then I'm going there and I'm going to enjoy practice because that's what I enjoy doing. The games sure are a bonus, and they can come and watch. And sometimes I didn't. My dad was a professional. He a lot of times couldn't get to him. Didn't break my heart at all. And when I hear today's kids saying, well, mom and dad are terrible. Or mom and dad sitting at home, oh, 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 I can't go watch him play or watch her play. Drives me nuts. Well, there's a, there's, so there's a, uh, I guess a, a Sorry idea if you're out there and you do that. <laughs> we just lost half our listeners. Thank you very much. Um, Come on, Larry, get into the times. No, but there's a, there's a, um, a thought process out there of your kids shouldn't be the most important thing in your life for yeah. adults and parents. Yeah. And I, and I, I absolutely see where they're coming from, and I agree with that. Like, look, we all, I'm a parent, we all want what's best for our kids. That's not the point of it. The point and we is, want them to succeed. Yeah. Right, but the point is, like, I shouldn't put my life on hold for 20 years to make it all about them. Because then when it's all about them for 20 years, and then they get away from home, and it suddenly is not about them, if they get to an organization and, like, I'm at the bottom and it's not about me, or I'm in a relationship and it should be a 50-50 thing, but it's not about me, they struggle. That's you and, just hit the nail on the head. And so, but that's that's a lot of parents' fault because they've elevated them. And just what you said, Larry. Hey, let's go to your practice. Let's go to your game. Let's put our weekend on hold to go to St. Louis for travel soccer and all your games, five games on a Saturday <laughs> Sunday. Now, to me, now everybody's different. Oh, to yeah, me, I know. No, no what we're not doing that now. <laughs> We may do. We may if we ever get. My kids are still young. If we get to that point, we're going to incorporate a museum trip or something else in there. I can tell you that. But I, I don't know. I think that's part of almost like deconstructing these kids yeah. when they get here, breaking and, them down and building them back up. And then the weirdest thing too is um, the student athletes will say to me, and then you know now my parents just want to play. Now it's like. They uh, got me to this point, and now, like, when I come home, they're like, well, you don't need to practice. You've already made it. Come on. Let's, and they're like, no, now I have, you know. Right. I'm getting paid to do this now. It's, yeah. So, yeah, it, it is different. It, it really is. Uh, but I do think that the student athletes can, um, by sharing their stories with each other, um, we did. We did a lot of research in the year before we launched the the Wooden Institute. And one of the things is the millennials get their information three ways. Their parents are still in there. That's awesome. The Internet and their peers. 
the internet knocked out coaches and teachers. This is the first generation that coaches and teachers aren't in that top three. That was one of the biggest reasons why we thought, okay, we've got coaches here, we've got our leaders here, and the bridge is out. We better get something going here so that we can get the communication going because these guys, these seniors are going to be really talking to their teammates and it, buying in, getting them to buy into what the coaches say. So, and they're going to listen to the seniors if the seniors are saying the right things. Right. So we got to make sure that they are. Well, one of the things you do too is you you help the coaches with information like that. Just yeah. what you talked about. I I know we have um, oh one, a couple times a month we will get together as a uh, either as a staff department staff or we also have a head coaching group that meets and um, a lot of times. Kathy's always handing out literature or books or recommending things on whether it's millennials or topics that maybe aren't necessarily related to coaching, but how to deal with young people. Mm-hmm. And there, it's a constant, constantly changing area. And there's a lot of, lot of, uh, a lot of good information out there. But I think it's great that you help provide that to our coaches. Yeah. So if you Google millennials, like the first 30 articles are negative, lazy, entitled, bratty, you know, and by Larry Klisman. <laughs> and it was making me mad. I was like, well, and I'm a parent of millennials, too. I was like, my gosh. And so, you know, it's just it's so not true. I mean, they're they're awesome. You you see this, like right. PJ saying, you know, saying things like that at stack it up when, you know, that those talking like a coach. Right. I mean, give give them a seat at the table and tell them what the expectations are, and teach them how um, to teach people how to treat them. You know, um, whether it's your parents or your coach or and and get that buy-in and i'll tell you i i'm really impressed with the millennials and honestly i i cannot wait till they get out there and get in politics because i think it's going to change the world there's a uh well we certainly would need that i think yes uh, there's a there was an article out the other day uh on uh, the new uh, website that seth davis has started and uh brian ha- i think brian hamilton was the uh, uh, reporter that came in and talked to our seniors about just a little bit of an anomaly in college basketball, a senior-laden team, and, and the success we've had and what our four seniors have really done for this program over the last four years and got it back to, you know, in the tournament every year, competing for Big Ten championships, winning a Big Ten championship. And one of the things that he talked about was um, kind of what you said, in the leadership part, but uh, some of the quotes that our guys had, it's like they're speaking like they're an assistant coach. And one of the things he referenced in there was over the last couple of years, Coach Painter has allowed our players to make the team rules every year. Yep. And he'll say basically, okay, you guys give me what our rules are this year, and you got to hit the following areas, you know, social, you know, what what goals do we have as a team, um, and what are our expectations. And now Coach, he reserves the right to veto any of these rules and make changes. But over the last three years, he, had, he hasn't had to do a thing. Nope. And those rules come back, and they are – spot on what the coaches would do and it's giving like you said it's giving these guys a seat at the table Absolutely. and allowing them to take ownership over things that, you know that's so funny because my my son gra- just graduated from purdue and he was in a frat and he said that it was bizarre because the the basketball guys would come to you know if they didn't have a game the next day they'd come to the frat party for a little bit and they said uh tori said all of a sudden pj would go 
kind of look his head, and then all of a sudden everyone would leave. Like, so they, you know, like they, and here, and this was a couple years ago, so this is even, I mean, he was even doing it to the upperclassmen. They had their rules, and they followed them. But and, that's beautiful. And you balance, you know, you, you balance the line there of you want these guys to have a college experience, and you want them to be able to socialize and do things that other college yes. students do. You don't want to take away no. those freedoms, but at the same time, it is a different standard that they're held to, yeah. and they, they can't do what other athletes mm-hmm. do. And I think our guys balance those two things I think they do as good as job. any group. Well, and you have, the, you have the additional pressure of social media, which is now run rampant. So right. One per- it makes, person yeah. takes a picture. Exactly, of exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I can remember... Or just think about it that my career would have ended in 1990 if they had such stuff. <laughs> yeah. But having but but having mentioned that, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, because you're you're everyone is involved. Hey, look who's here! Yes. Da, 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 yeah. da. Right. And uh, so it's um, it's really a sticky situation on how to handle all that, and even those things, the etiquette for the players to have to handle that because coaches certainly don't want to have them involved, and then. Right. You have certain programs where coaches are involved, mm-hmm. so right. you don't so you don't know what the oh. standard is or how you handle all this. You know, another interesting fact is that um, back when we started the program, I was asking, I just interviewed, you know, as many uh, athletes I I could, especially the upperclassmen. What's hard about being the leader? What's so hard? You know, I couldn't figure it out. What leadership should just be natural, you know, but. Um, they were saying, well, one of the things is is that we don't like to call everyone out all the time, and that it goes back to studying the millennials are they're they are not judgmental at all, and that's one of their gifts. Is I mean, they don't care, you know, what what uh, nationality you are, they don't care what religion you are, they don't care, you know, your sexual preference. They are the most chill generation about that. And then, yet we're saying now, as the leader, you need to tell him to do this, and tell, and it goes against the grain there. So, one of the things, like what you were saying, Elliot, if they can all decide what the rules are, and these are above the line behaviors, mm-hmm. and these are unacceptable below the line, and it's not just the senior's job to hold the team accountable. It's everybody's. So if you're a freshman right. and you see, you know, a senior being, you know, having a crappy attitude one day or you can say, "Come on, guys. Come on. Right. Let's go." It's all of them. And then it's it's not so judgmental, and that's the part they didn't like about it. And you have to be I think you have to have a close locker room to be able to pull that off too. You know, you have to have a group that cares for each other and like relationships. Yeah, and coach yes. coach Painter's great about he says this all the time, two or three times a season, he'll say, Look, we don't all have to like each other in here, but we gotta all love each other. Yeah. And he says it he says he always references because he has a, a brother, um, and I can relate growing up having a brother, he says, Look, it's like you guys are gonna fight internally from time to time mm-hmm. we're going to have disagreements but if somebody outside this locker room comes in and talks about one of you then we're all on them Absolutely. it's a pat we're all jumping that dude and nobody's going to nobody's going to come in from the outside and pick on one of us without getting all 14 of us in a fight and that's and that's the mentality that we've kind of had and anytime we've had disagreements in our locker room whether it's player coach player player um you know support staff whatever it is we're close enough that we feel comfortable enough around our guys that we can air it out in in front of each other. Yeah. And at the end of the day, everybody knows that 
at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is we care about each other and we're trying to win. Right. And we're trying to develop our young players, our young absolutely. players as well. That's a given here, right. especially at Purdue, I think. I heard Coach Painter say one time that actually his team is actually better after something like that happens. It's almost like you have to have a little adversity or something. It kind of it brings it makes you vulnerable. It brings out the best in everyone. You talk about it and then you're all better and closer. I mean, that's beautiful. Like expecting that instead of like falling. I mean, oh my gosh, we have a problem. Right. We're terrible right. now. You know? Right. Exactly. I wanted to uh, get into one area that you help our program with a lot, recruiting. Um, and just so our listeners know, when when uh, recruits come to campus, um, we do our we do our best to try to get Kathy on the schedule to meet with the recruits and their families. And I got to tell you, and I probably I probably have told you this, but of all the people that meet with our recruits, and and now we're talking uh, academic support, people on campus. Um, you know, they get a tour of where they're going to live. They get a tour of our dining facilities. Uh, they meet with you know, a dozen people if they're here for a recruiting weekend, or if they're just here for a few hours, they'll meet with, you know, five or six people. But of all the people we meet with, we get more feedback about you than anybody. And it's always, what'd you think of the visit? And then the response is always, and it's across the board, it's recruits and parents. Well, it was all great. I'll tell you what was really great was Kathy right here. She (laughs) is awesome. I mean, if we've heard that once, we've heard a million times. And so you, I know that the downside of that is Kathy's lost a lot of weekends <laughs> because right. we drag her in here to meet with recruits. But um, I don't know what you're saying in there, but it's really paying off. And, and you do help our program in a lot of ways, not just with our current athletes, but our potential student athletes as well. I love to recruit. I mean, I honestly, and especially for Purdue and especially, you know, Coach Painter. I, you know, I, I feel like kind of like a mom to him in a way. I mean, I watched him grow up. I watched him play here. I, you know, um, I'm so proud of him. And it's easy to recruit for something you really believe in. And, and you know, and another thing, the parents love it because basically what I am is kind of an extension of a parent to them. I'm kind of continuing to teach some of those things that they taught their kids Absolutely. for 18 years. And, um and so, and they like that, and they like that Purdue cares enough that they're going to have that they have a program like that. Right. So it's really a compliment to Purdue that we have this unique leadership institute. I mean, not very many people have something like this, and um, and then also just to tell that young man, you know, the guys probably come to my office more than the girls do, actually. Um, and I think it's, I mean, it's all this testosterone. You have to be great and you have to, and sometimes they just need like to go to a female and, um, you know, especially when things aren't going well, that's when, you know, they'll just pop in. Hi, how are you? And, you know, I'll, and they'll say, you know why I like to come here? You're the only one that asks me how I feel. <laughs> um, and I love that, you know, and that's, that's one of my roles to, you know, to be there. Um, but the recruiting part is... I just love Purdue. I really do. And well, I believe in it. We really produce champions, citizens, and and scholars. You've got as much gold and black in your veins as anybody I know. And, uh, you know, before you, you've been in this role, it's it's hard to believe since 08. I mean, it seems like. That, it seems like it just started. I know. But, time has yeah. flown. But uh, before that, 21 seasons as the women's swimming coach yeah. here. Yeah. Um, so. You obviously have the background and, and uh, know what a coach goes through. 
and which is probably essential for this position. Um, what do you miss and what don't you miss with coaching? Um, I re- you know, honestly, when I stepped down from coaching, I thought I'm never going to find anything that I love like this ever. You know, um, I'll just do something, finish out, you know, kind of coast. And, and then this opportunity came up. This is coaching. Absolutely. It really is. And, um, you know, I, I love what I really love is the relationships. I love to watch an 18 year old kid come in and kind of be cocky and think, you know, and then I don't know, just watch them grow up, make mistakes, learn, get confident and then reach, you know, reach their goals. That's my favorite part of it. Um, sometimes I do miss just having that just one close group, mm-hmm. you know, um, cause now I have 500 and, you know, <laughs> and it's a little different. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I don't, I don't miss standing on the deck all the time. I don't. And, um, I, I, I actually think I'm making a bigger impact in this role than I did as a swim coach. So. Well, you make a huge impact with our guys. I know um, one of the stories, this was a few years ago, you had our team over to your yeah. house. Yeah. And uh, we weren't in as good a place as we are now as a team. And you were trying to get to the bottom of some things, I think. Yeah. And uh, I just remember them saying, it might have been this senior they were freshmen i think they just came in they just it was their freshman summer yeah and they they... were a little reluctant to talk (laughs) and like who's this lady and and uh and one of the great things about kathy is she um when when it's time for real talk she can you know be very real with these guys and she's like enough of the macho like i'm not talking i'm too tough to talk about feelings crap you know what are you thinking about? And and I think there were some probably more colorful words which uh-huh. got their attention. Uh-huh. And uh, and then you said, then it started opening up, and then it it came from there. I mean, it yeah. just they really started pouring it out. Yeah, it was so. I mean, I, I remember that day like it was yesterday, because I asked him to sit in a circle, and then they were rolling their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? it, it was so funny because I went to Coach Painter, and I was like, you know, I'd like to talk to the team, and he goes, all right, I'll get the. Um, a locker room ready and I go no no I don't want them in a locker room I want them in my house and he goes okay you want coaches there and I go no just players and he goes what are you going to talk about and I go feelings and he goes oh shit (laughs) (laughs) he said I gotta go I got an appointment here I think and he got out of there pretty quick (laughs) so it was so funny because AJ came to my office and he goes is it true we have to come to your house and talk about feelings (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, yep. And then next thing I know, um, Ray texted me and said, all right, the guys want to know how long we have to talk about our feelings. And I was like, all right, I'll give you 30 minutes to eat dinner and then an hour to talk. And he goes, okay, we can do that. Three and a half hours later, wow. I told the guys, guys, it's 10 o'clock. I got to go. I got to go to bed now. Yeah, yeah. And they go, all right, can we do this again sometime? I mean, they... They just, like you said, they totally, once we got through the, you know, this is the macho stuff, yeah. it was like peeling back, you know, an onion. And they were very, they really, they made a commitment to each other that they were never, ever going to be like the team that they had the year before. Well, the, the amazing thing about uh, when we went through all that was, you know, Matt just kept saying, man, I just can't wait till we get older until we can have, you know, three or four juniors and three or four seniors, you know. And we were talking the other day about it that he's, 
he's finally got the team that Coach Katie used to always have, yeah. if you can remember. Right. Yeah. And Coach Katie had, and it's different. And I realize the rules are different. And we play a different game, and you have to you have to adjust to that different game that's yeah. been presented to you. And so guys that are old like me can't live in the past and say this is the right way, and because a lot of the stuff they did wasn't the, really the right way, but that idea that we got older means so much. And I mean, it's like the article you talked about to have four senior starters, mm-hmm. you know, a sophomore in Carson, and then you got a junior that's right off the bench in Klein. I mean, we have an old team, the way college teams are structured, and obviously they're a good team. Uh, but better than that, they're great guys. They you know, really you are. just uh, you Some, know, every time we come off a trip, Kathy. Every time we come off a trip, you know, every time we get out of an airplane, I mean, you know, those people turn to us and say, "Man, what a great group of guys!" Yeah. Because they are. They they're they're respectful. The, the, they're good. They're, they they do the right thing, and and we do have good leaders. Yeah. We really do. The first but, trip we had this year from Marquette, we were, we got off the plane. We landed at Purdue. It was you know one in the morning, whatever it was. And uh, one of the flight attendants, as I'm leaving, he says, hey, I just got to tell you something. He said, we deal with 100 teams a year. He said, and, and, and I'm not, I don't want to put any other team down. He said, but a lot of them are rude. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about them. He said, you have the most polite group of players mm-hmm. we've ever been around, and you just need to know that. And I was like, That's and so like good. Larry said, we hear it all the time. Yeah. We were really, really fortunate. You know, one of my very favorite things to do when I go to the games or – you know, even stopping in at a practice is watching the bench, watching the older guys take the younger guys in and and talk to them, coach them. And Vince has done an incredible. And every time I see it, I make sure I tell him, "I saw you talking to Carson. That's good. You know, he needs you." Um, they they do that. I mean, I I saw you know the way AJ was with. Um, you know Isaac, and now mm-hmm. Isaac is trying to do that with right. Matt, and that's that's what we need. That's what, and we, you know, we don't want it to stop after these four leave. Correct. They, you know, we've got to get the next group, and that's why I love what you guys do. You put your juniors kind of in the BAC, so they're ready for the next year. The seniors have already been through it; they know what they're doing. We've got to get the Ryan Klein, and you know, to, and he is—he's starting to do it now. He is. He's coming a, coming a long way as a junior, and. Everybody's on a different pace, you know. Every, yeah. Some guys come through and they're a little ahead of the curve, and they pick it up quicker. And other guys, it clicks their senior year, and you just hope it clicks at some point. But yeah. the, but, the, but the fact is this: we don't have Rafael Davis uh, yeah. at a particular time in this program's history. We might have been in some real trouble. I mean, yeah. there might have been other people in this office, and and I'm I'm not saying that to be uh, demeaning at all. It's just a fact that that guy really had a had a huge impact on our on our program that he doesn't get enough credit for, I don't think. Right. Well, because we'll go back to that day we were sitting in my house. That's one of the biggest things that came out of that. They're like, you're the leader. but And they told him, but you pick and choose when you want to lead. And we'll, we'll listen to whatever you said. And then we couldn't get him to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I was like, okay, that's good, Ray. All right, let's wrap it up here. But he did. He really listened to his teammates. And he like he really started right then, you know, like stepping up. And, and AJ was really good at that meeting, too, because they each had, we talked about, the, you know, everybody's strengths. And that was really neat. I wrote them all down. And 
so that they could have them. But then they had to talk about their weaknesses. And AJ was like, well, do you have an hour? Because I've got <laughs> about an hour's worth. And everyone laughed at him. But, you know, and Ray stepped in on every single one of them. I'll help you with that. I'll help you with that. And, you know, but you're you're so right, Cliss. I mean, Ray was, uh, he just, he's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, he set the tone and a lot of that stuff's carried over. And as you said, that's the hope is that the next wave those guys pick up the baton and run with it. And, and the great thing is, is that you're around, um, you know, Coach Painter is, I, you guys are in lockstep in what you believe and what you yeah. what you teach. And uh, it's just a great dynamic. And I thought it would be very interesting for our fans to hear all about it. So, Well, um, speaking, of course, of Coach Painter with all three of us here as being big fans, remember he just picked up his 300th uh, yeah. win yes. as a coach. and. What is yeah. he, 47, 48, whatever he is? He's, he's still in his 40s. Yeah. Right. And he's and I can remember when Coach Katie was hired here, he was 45 in his first year here, trying yeah. to get his first win at Purdue in 1980. So that's uh, that's quite an accomplishment, 300 yes. wins, 25 of those coming at SIU, but 275 here at his alma mater. Well, and being able to adapt, too, to yeah. all these things we've just talked about. I right. mean, Coach Painter's a completely different coach. Very than much. he was when he walked in the doors here 13 yeah. years ago. Yes, he is. Um, a lot different. And uh, he's been able to adapt and change. He's been able to learn, grow, however you, however you want to call it. Um, and I think that's the mark of a good coach. I mean, you've seen, we've seen coaches come and go around the country, around our league, mm -hmm. who are stuck in their system. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work, and they're out of there. Mm -hmm. And especially in these days and ages, you know, you get, what, two to four years, prove it, and then get out. And you don't have time necessarily to adjust and change. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, it's you're you're going to be a dinosaur pretty quick. Absolutely. Well, I want to get to the uh, the next segment, the final four segment, Kathy. These are four questions that we posed every uh, guest here on our podcast. And we so, don't ever we don't ever send them out in advance, so you don't have time to, to. I mean, if you listen to the podcast, you realize it's coming. So in the back of your head, obviously, but you probably didn't think about it this morning when you came in. But we don't give these people a list and say, okay, come up with this and come up with that. We so do. it has to come off the top of your head. Which is why we like them. And they're off topic. They're, you know. Exactly. Okay. First question of the final Don't want board. plenty of pressure on you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what is your go-to music of choice? Today's hits. So you're, do you have the, like, in your car, you'll have the radio on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so... This has been your whole your whole life has been like that. Oh yeah, like I mean, I asked my husband last uh, last night if he'd go to Nelly with me this summer. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I like all types of music. That's got to like, actually. That's probably perfect, especially for your role. You're able. I mean, so our guys now. I'm kind of, and I'm pretty aware of what's going on out there. But every a lot of times, our guys are playing some. I got I got to ask, who's this? You know, yeah. who's this? So yeah, because you you like older music. Yeah, Tom Petty. And yeah, I'm an older, uh, definitely an older soul when it comes to uh, to music. But uh, I try to do my best to stay up because you want to you want to yes. have things to talk about with yeah. these guys. I I'll tell you, I really like Eminem too. I always have. I love the movie Eight Mile, and I I think he's really making a statement with social justice right now. Absolutely, his new stuff. If, yes, if you get a chance, and even if you don't like the music 
go read the lyrics. Yeah. You could take some of his stuff and put it in a poetry book, and it would be, be beautiful. Uh, very inspiring. John Wooden would have loved it. Yeah. He, yes. He would have been. You know, Bill Walton would have been the guy <laughs> yeah. to give that to Coach Wooden. Yeah. I guarantee you Well, that. the one thing that I've learned over the last three days is because I've spent quite a bit of time at home putting up a Christmas tree and things like that that I don't normally do. And, um, Did your heart grow three sizes too big? Oh, exactly, <laughs> and it's just bursting out of my chest as, as we speak. But the thing, but I've gone with a lot of Christmas music and uh, use da 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 prime Alexa thing, and you just uh, you just say Christmas, just music, yeah. Christmas. But it's amazing. I mean, amazing how many artists from 1940. <laughs> yeah to uh, 2017 have a Christmas album. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing yeah. the, the, the variety that you can get, you know. So it's it's really something. But I haven't heard Leonard Cohen do one yet, but I mean, it's it's a possibility, I'm sure. Do you want Do you want to tell your famous Christmas album story? Oh, absolutely. If oh, you don't I, mind, yeah. do we have time? No, absolutely. Yeah. This is one of the stories that in Purdue basketball that comes up all the time, and it's it's a good one. Uh, we're at uh, Athens, uh, Georgia, and we're playing the University of Georgia. And, um, and uh, the broadcast group at that time, I was working with Mike Wild, who was my setup guy and engineer and, you know, producer of our show. And Mike was there. And and then our engineer, who I, at the time I think was Dave Bunty, I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, it was when Matt was playing. And uh, so we're sitting there, and we're uh, getting ready to do the game. And then as the game starts, Mike kind of touches me, and he says, Hey, look, look, you know, during a timeout, look over your shoulder. So I look over my shoulder, and there he is, Kenny Rogers from 10 feet away from me. Kenny Rogers, the Kenny Rogers. He said, Man, that's unbelievable. I said, Yeah, it's unbelievable. He said, we got to have him on at halftime. I said, Mike, come on, man. He's here with his wife enjoying a basketball game. Why do you want to mess with the guy? He doesn't want to do an interview on, you know, a bunch of Indiana radio stations. And he kind of huffs and puffs a little bit, sits over there. We do the rest of the half. So now I realize that he's going to listen to me, and he's certainly not going to have Kenny Rogers on the air. So I get up to go get a Coke and get a little break, and then I come back, and as I come back towards the... The broadcasting location, <laughs> sitting in my chair, is the Kenny Rogers. <laughs> so that didn't work, and so he's interviewing Kenny Rogers on the air, and he's going on and on, telling what a great, uh, what a great artist he is, and da 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 da. And finally, he gets to his last question, and Mike looks at him. He says, "Kenny, I gotta tell you, I know you've had like ten number one hit records, you know, absolutely, but my wife and I." We just love your Christmas album. <laughs> he says, I say, and he leaves. And finally, Kenny ends the story by saying, hey, you know, you guys are so cool. Why don't you just stop by the place and we'll make breakfast for you tomorrow morning. So why don't you come on by the house? We'd love to have you. He obviously knew that we were flying out that <laughs> night. <laughs> but anyway, sure, Kenny, we'll be over. You know what I mean? Then I look at Mike, we're in another break, and I said, Christmas album, seriously? I mean, like, Lady, or, you know, my wife and I love your Christmas album? <laughs> A lot of number ones from Kenny, and, and the Christmas album rose to the top. All right, that was a very appropriate Christmas album. Uh, 
segue there. Sorry, I, that took a half an hour to <laughs> that, get. No, no but I that's like that. that's a fantastic story. Uh, okay, uh, second question of the final four for Kathy Wright Eaker. Uh, your um, favorite book or a, a book you have read recently that you really like? Mm, that's a good one. Um, I think the book. It's not my favorite book, but the book that I read recently is the one that I gave the coaches that um, Lou Alcindor wrote about Coach Wooden, playing for him, what it was like, um, a lot of great stories about how he stuck up for, especially right now with the social justice going on, how he stood up for them and wouldn't let them, If you know, he, he took them to a couple restaurants and um, they were saying, well, we're not going to let these guys come in. And so Coach Wooden turned around and said, well, I guess we won't all go in then, you know. And just things like that, I thought that was really good for right now. And that how, that was in the 60s, and yet some of these same issues are coming up now. And I thought that was good for coaches. It was good for me to read. I just really liked that. That's, that's fantastic. And, and uh, he, I saw where um, Kareem just signed on to write, I think, for the Atlantic maybe. That he's going to be a, a contr- or uh, one Atlantic. I saw that too. Anyway, but I don't remember the public. Some news outlet. He's going to yeah. be a regular columnist now. A very, uh, very insightful um, individual, and ha- always has great things to say on uh, different topics. Uh, third question of the final four: If you could wave a wand and do a different profession tomorrow, Ooh. anything you wanted, what would it be? Yeah, um, I would probably. <laughs> you're going to laugh, but I would probably be a police officer. Really? Yeah, I I don't know. There's something about it I've always wanted to be in, like an FBI or um, behavior analysis, something like that. I just think that'd be awesome. So, do you watch a lot of oh, uh, yeah. shows like that? Oh, what yeah. about the one on Netflix right now? Mindfulness. Oh, I'll, I watched it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Way to go, yeah. Cliz. Yeah. 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 I love that stuff. I find it fascinating. I just started that uh, last night, actually. And uh, got through like three episodes, but it's uh, really interesting. So, would you like to be in like that conference room with the uh, the tack board, where like you know the picture of the the main suspect, yes. and then all the branches yeah. coming off? Yeah, that see would... that it's problem solving. It's trying to figure things out. It's I don't know. It's you know. Well, you would like the wire then, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. So I have to admit that I've, I, Matt and I were actually talking about that the other day about. If you had something to work on like that, that would be pretty cool. It, like, and yeah. th- to have that person not know that you're coming to get them. Exactly. And you have that wall, and you're building your stuff. That would be uh, that would be pretty cool to to do. Yeah, I love all the James Patterson books with Alex Cross. You know, he's a, he's in a, an analysis, and he just tries to figure everything out. And he's a psychologist too, so I just think it's those fascinating. Are those are great books, and then. Uh, my wife and I, a long time ago, we read, we went through the John Sanford series mm-hmm. uh, with praise and every title. Yes. So Night yeah. Pray, Dark, yeah. all that stuff. That's a very good series as well, based in Minneapolis. Uh, final question here on the final four. What is something that either no one or not many people know about you? Probably kind of goes back to the last question. I have this thing where I really like to drive fast. Really? And part of me, like, I almost, you know, a race car driver would be really cool. But, like, one year I had, 
this isn't too long ago, I had $600 worth of speeding tickets in one year. <laughs> you know, we've had a lot of different answers, <laughs> but the last two answers of this Final Four have been fantastic. This is amazing. So my, my, my next question would be, have you ever done the fast lap at the Indy 500? No. You know, you can buy, so, yes, I want to do that. Okay, so we got to get a hold of your family members and tell them that that needs to be a Christmas or birthday gift. Monica, my wife's done it. Did she uh, love it? And my father did it. And they both went on the same day and absolutely loved it. And then they talked. Uh, How fast did they go? Oh, you, you're up, you're up, I don't know, 180, 190. Oh. Be awesome. But you're you know you're in a two seater yeah and you basically show up they put you in the helmet the full um, racing suit they give you a quick you know thirty second tutorial you sit down strap in and away you go and I think what they my dad the way he tells the story is as he's going around his driver was kind of warming his tires up and zigzagging and he said and you feel like you're bouncing around the cockpit and you're pressed against your head is pressed back because and then you realize he's just warming up like wow. you're not even he's you're not, not even, even open the car up yet yeah. he goes then when you get going and then you get out of the car and you think these guys got to do that for 200 laps exactly no for 4 way. hours he said no way he's, he he thought it was just fantastic so i would highly recommend you do that i think that would be that would be right up your alley. So six hundred dollars, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> My so dad got me a fuzz could, buster. Could you for tell us? Could you tell? Hey, <laughs> could you tell us what you drive so we'd be alerted? <laughs> <laughs> Next time I get dusted <laughs> on the highway and a car flies around me, I'm like, well, there goes Kathy. She must be heading home. That is that is that's one of the best uh, best ones we've ever had. Drive well, she with, admitted it. Yeah. I mean, she admitted yeah. it, which you know a lot of people wouldn't do. Well, all right, lead, old lead foot Kathy. <laughs> all right, well, thank you so much for taking time to join us today. Um, we so uh, And we appreciate, on behalf of our program, just appreciate all the things you do for us and, and our guys and everything. So, um, you know, thanks again, and hope the holidays are, are great for you and your family. Thank you. Thanks, all right. Chris. That was episode 32 here on the podcast uh, for Boiler Ball. We, uh, sure, it's 32. It, 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 did you go back and I, look? I did go back and look, and I'm very confident that it's 32. Cliff <laughs> was questioning whether or not this was episode 32, and I'm, I'm fairly confident okay, that cool. it was. Uh, one one uh, note to our listener. I think the next podcast we're going to do a uh, listener questions. So I will be uh, we'll be tweeting out that information with an email address to send uh, your questions to. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, we'll do our holiday episode um, with questions from our listeners and do the best we can. We'll muddle through it somehow. Uh, but I appreciate everybody listening. Episode 32, our thanks to Kathy Wright Eager. Enjoy the gift basket that uh, Sylvia Booker will have for you on the way out. And uh, until next time. We'll oh, wait, 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 wait. And tell her about the bump. Well, the, the famous podcast bump, Kathy, I, you, will get, you will see a spike now in your social media accounts. Oh. You will see a spike in popularity. I would I would wouldn't be surprised if you need to add chairs to the next speaker you bring in for the wooden series speaker uh, series. You'll have yeah, that. It'll affect your inevitable. Whole life. The appearance on this podcast <laughs> will affect everything in your inevitable. life. Inevitable. And uh, we hope everything increases except for your speed. We don't want you to get any more <laughs> tickets on the road. So uh, we done now. Yep. Larry. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. Okay. Episode thirty-two. Thanks everybody for listening. Until next time. Be curious. Be informed and be well.